1: In the previous chapter, Jesus had invited them. Hey, if I've done something wrong, put it out. Make it so. Make your claim. And they hated him. If they had something against Jesus, they would have said something.
0: Welcome to another edition of what I think of as a daily devotional with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout, and uh, he's in the book of John. We're going to start with a bit of a review today. We've moved into the 10th chapter, but he's going to slide back to some of the 9th chapter and give us a running start as we eventually get to the 11th chapter. (laughs) Take out your Bible if you can, turn to the New Testament book of John and open to that 9th chapter as Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands presents our
1: verse by verse daily devotional for today. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, remember that we talked about this question that the disciples had was based upon a couple of misconceptions. Uh, First misconception was that all sickness and all suffering was the result of sin. And so that meant that either... This man's parents or this man had sinned. Well, if he was born blind, that would have meant that he would have had to have sinned before he was born. And then that brought up the second misconception uh, that uh, was popular uh, amongst some Jewish people, that the soul predates conception. That the soul exists before it's it's matched with the body. And we know that that's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, The Bible teaches that life begins... At conception, and that teaching from the Bible gives Christians clarity on how to understand abortion issues and so many other things that that we ha- have to deal with. But the concept of a soul existing before being brought together with the body was actually introduced by Plato and the Greeks. And through this, we we are reminded that we have to be very very careful that we get our theology from the Bible and not from culture around us. The, the disciples had gotten some of their concepts of theology and God from the culture around them, and we have a tendency to do the same thing. In fact, I'll be talking with people and, and be impressed with how knowledgeable their theology is from Star Wars. And, uh, you know, Star Wars isn't really a great source of good theology. The Bible is. So uh, Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He he resembles him. He kept saying, I am the man. And so they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought the Pharisees, uh, brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind, and now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And so the Pharisees again asked him how he'd received his sight, and he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God. Jesus is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, well, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs, do such miracles? And there was a division among them. And so they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Now it's up to this part of the story that we studied when we were together, when last we met. And you notice it's a progressive revelation that uh, through this uncomfortable and intimidating process of being continually questioned and badgered and interrogated, the truth of who Jesus Christ is became increasingly clear to this man who had been healed of blindness. And that's a lesson for us that through difficult times in life when we are uh, that demand us to to uh, consider Jesus, think about Jesus. It the truth of who Jesus is becomes more and more clear to us through difficult times. Now, despite the man's testimony, the Jews did not believe it of him that, that he had been blind and received his sight and so they decided to call his parents. They thought like the people in uh, earlier in the chapter, verse 9, I think, was it was that maybe this was a, a, a case of mistaken identity. And surely the parents would know if this really was the man. The Jews did not believe that he'd been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and, and asked him, is, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, well, we know that this is our son. And that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. The parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. And therefore his parents said, he's of age. He's an adult. He's responsible for what he says. Ask him. So they asked the parents three sequentially related questions. Is this your son? Was he born blind? How is it that he can now see? And they answered very, very cautiously. They identified him as their son, affirmed that he had been born blind, but then they tried to evade the last question. Is it how he sees? We don't know. opened his eyes? We don't know. We don't know. Sounds like some of the testimony coming out of Washington, D.C. these days. We don't know. To avoid any further interrogation or reprisal, they said, you need to ask him. He's of age, he's an adult, he's responsible for what he says. And the the author, the Apostle John, goes on to explain to us why his parents were being so cautious. It was because the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue, and for this reason his parents said, he is of age. Now, to be put out of the synagogue uh, was to be excommunicated. And it was not just from the synagogue, it was also from uh, social life and business as well. If someone was put out of the synagogue, then their family was to treat them as though they were dead. And a dead person has, doesn't have any inheritance, a dead person doesn't need to be fed, a dead person doesn't need a job. And you remember that most businesses were family businesses at that time, which means to be excommunicated, you lose everything. And it's a way of also silencing somebody because you don't talk with someone who's dead. So if somebody who's marked as a dead person talks, you don't listen to them and you don't respond to them. Back in the days of Ezra, there was a decree that whoever did not obey the command of the authorities, his property should be forfeited, and he himself banned from the congregation. And Jesus said that this was going to happen to his followers, that they would be put out of the synagogues. And this is the first incident recorded in this gospel where a follower of Jesus Christ indeed experienced persecution. Question, are we afraid to speak because of fear? You remember there was a group initially that wanted to argue and say, well, wait a minute, how can this man do these miracles? And that group got silenced, intimidated. These parents were intimidated by fear. Fear can be every bit as effective of a prison as a prison that's made out of concrete and bars. Have we allowed ourselves to be imprisoned by fear? That we won't speak up we won't tell the truth. We won't be confrontational when it's necessary, prudent, and wise to be so. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said, give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And so they obviously recognized that a miracle had taken place. They did not want to believe that, uh, in the claims of Jesus. And so they, they, uh, they called the man and said, give glory to God. Now, that's a phrase that was used in Jewish law for cross-examination. It meant speak the truth in the presence in the name of God. Remember that God is a witness to what you're saying, so speak the truth. It was a phrase that Joshua used when he was examining Achan, when Achan had committed the sin that had caused the loss of soldiers at Ai. And Joshua said to Achan, Give glory to God, the Lord God of Israel, and render praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. So they were saying, tell us the truth, what really happened here? Or alternatively, it may also imply that they were saying, give glory to God, not to Jesus. I mean, all that Jesus did was put clay on the eyes. It was God who did the miracle. Give glory to God, but not to Jesus. And then they went on to accuse Jesus of being a sinner. But you notice they didn't give any specific examples of any sin because they couldn't. In the previous chapter, Jesus had invited them. Hey, if I've done something wrong, put it out. Make it so. Make your claim. And they hated him. If they had something against Jesus, they would have said something. But they didn't. And they couldn't. And so they just smeared his reputation in broad strokes. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. This is the most spirited part of the dialogue in the chapter. The Jewish religious leaders are pressing him, trying to intimidate him into into saying something, and he's resisting them with all vigor. In fact, instead of, of backing off, his arguments become even more clear, and his position becomes even more clear. He says, as for Jesus being a sinner, I do not know. I'll leave that to you theological experts. But this one thing I do know... That though I was blind, now I see. If you
0: struggle witnessing to other people, that's a great way to begin. Just share your own testimony, those things you've experienced in your own life, the things that you have, quote, seen. End quote. This is Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout. So glad you've joined us uh, today. I hope you can return as we wrap up the week. We're in the book of John. And if you've missed any of these uh, broadcasts, you can listen to them when you go to the website at studyversebyverse.com. Church of the Highlands is located at 1900 Monterey Drive. Additional information is on that website, Service times. Our Saturday evening at 7, Sunday morning at 7 a.m., 8.30 a.m., 10 a.m., 11.30 a.m., and then again at 5 p.m. in the afternoon. That's studyversebyverse.com for all the details. Join us tomorrow, if you can, when we'll once again open the Word of God to the book of John and study verse by verse.